Uh, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Creekside. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Nathan. And if you're new today, me and Mark, who's probably in the lobby greeting everyone that's walking through the doors, we would love to meet you. Uh, right after service, you can find us in the lobby. Don't be shy. Just come on up. Talk to us. If you're not new today, welcome as well. I'm happy to see you. It's good to be here as a family and just enjoying this week of Thanksgiving, right? Like, I don't know if you know, on Thursday, this crazy thing happens where a bunch of people get together and eat this, like, huge meal. But for today, we're going to focus on Family on Mission because it is our last Family on Mission sermon. And I know you guys have heard me say that already because, um, like, four weeks ago I said that because I thought it was going to be the end because that's what we talked about. And uh, we changed it up, but that's okay. I know for a fact this time that this is the last Family on Mission sermon. And over the last two months, we have dug into our new mission statement, our core values, and then we talked about what simple ministry is, and we also talked about the hard truth of reality. If you guys were here last week, Mark hit us with just this truth that we all suffer, and that's just simply the truth, that on this side of the garden, it's met with a lot of suffering. But just like Mark, we all know that there is still hope because we have unlimited power in Jesus. And I don't know about you, but in seasons of great suffering for me, that's when I feel closest to God. And I think the reason I feel closest to God in those seasons is because you can't do anything. In great suffering, all you can do is get on your hands and knees and weep and pray that God would come and help you. And God has a unique way of finding us in our weaknesses and molding us into who he needs us to be. And the beautiful part about following the God we follow is that he works through broken people. And we are all broken in one way or another. And the beautiful thing about being broken is that we can begin a process of healing. We can begin a process of being restored. But in any healing process, anyone who's ever had a major injury or heart surgery or anything, they will say one thing. Your perspective matters. If you believe that you can rebuild, regrow, and heal, most of the time you will. There is no shortcut to growth. But with the proper perspective, it certainly helps, especially in suffering. I mean, when we face suffering with the right mentality, it helps. And when I think of suffering, I honestly think of like a building that was just beautiful, made of bricks, but a, like a bomb dropped on it and all the bricks are everywhere. And sometimes our minds, hearts, and souls feel the exact same way. It's as if our mind is just all these different puzzle pieces and we can't figure out how to put them together because all we want to see is the bigger picture. And yet all we get are these puzzle pieces and we have no idea where to put them. And in moments of great suffering, all we want is the bigger picture. And in 2015, I had a year that was like this for my mind where I just, I couldn't see the full picture. I couldn't figure out where to even put the little puzzle pieces God was giving me. 
It was a year of tremendous suffering, but also tremendous growth. And I'm not going to get into details about what happened. But what I will say is somebody who knew what was going on in the season for me told me something I will never forget. It was random. He pulled me aside. I barely knew him. And he said this quote to me. Nate, God never gives you the full puzzle. He only gives you the opportunity to find one puzzle piece at a time. One puzzle piece at a time. And that sucks. <laughs> right? Like sometimes we're like, God, seriously, you're giving me this one puzzle piece and it's blue but all the other ones you've given me are purple. What in the world is going on, right? But here's the thing. When you have the right perspective, even that one puzzle piece can begin to paint a picture of something beautiful. To have the right perspective, you have to know why you're doing what you're doing. You have to know that there is a point to it, and you have to know that there is a future hope. And so today... I want to close off our family on mission sermon by talking about ministry in proper perspective or what I like to call the proper perspective of a follower of Jesus. So let's pray as we open the word of God. God, I pray that this morning we can come before you and just sit at your feet and ask for you to give us a fresh perspective, a new perspective. Or if we've already had this perspective, God, I pray that you would renew us and help us move forward. God, I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians 4.13. Once again, that's 2 Corinthians 4.13. And as you guys are turning your Bibles, I think it's very important to explain a small detail about ministry. Because sometimes we think of ministry and we're like, oh, yeah, that's for the church. Oh, yeah, that's for that pastor guy that's up there. Oh, th that's for the volunteers. And while that is true, that that is ministry, that's not the full picture. See, our entire lives are marked by Jesus, which means every single one of you in here are on mission. Every single one of you in here does ministry in whatever context you are in, in your lives, in your neighborhoods, in your homes, and at your jobs, you are doing ministry. We all do ministry in one way or another. And so with that said, as we dive in to the last section that we're going to go over today, I want us to think about what do these verses encourage us to do, and how do they encourage us to have the right perspective? So let's start. 2 Corinthians 4, 13 through 18. It says, Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believe, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart, 
Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So now that we've read through the big section of scripture we're going to go over, let's zoom in on certain scriptures to really dive into what Paul, the author of 2 Corinthians, is trying to navigate and what he's trying to say about ministry, our lives, and our beliefs. So verse 13 says, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. Whenever in the Bible, Jesus or another person is talking and you see quotation marks, it's kind of important. And so the quotation right there is I believed and so I spoke. And that is pulled from a quote slash paraphrase of Psalm 116.10. Why do I mention that? Well, David wrote this psalm after a tremendous illness that he thought he was going to die from. And see, he truly believed that God healed him from his illness. And because he truly believed it, he couldn't help but share about it. And so David believed, so he spoke. But what is Paul telling us to do in this last phrase? He says, we also believe, so we also speak. What are we meant to believe in and what are we meant to speak about? Well, that's the gospel of Jesus. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it changes our hearts. It changes our minds. It changes our souls. We now have an anchor and guide for how to live our lives. And when we are truly transformed and we truly believe in the power of Jesus, we can't help but share about it. Think about the things that you get most excited about in your life. When you're super excited about something and you've done all this research and you really believe in it, it kind of consumes every conversation you have, right? You can't help but talk about it. That is what Paul is saying here, is that when we truly believe in something, we can't help but speak about it. And here's the thing. We have to know something to believe. So knowing leads to believing and believing leads to speaking. What is it we're supposed to know? Well, I'm glad you asked. In verse 14, it says, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Paul, right here, is telling us in reverse order, because usually if you want to start with an argument, you start with the first piece and then go to the end. Here he's going, I told you the first part, Belief leads to speaking, but you have to know something in order to believe something. And he's encouraging us here to know that the God that raised Jesus from the dead will also raise us from the dead. And it's important to note that Jesus is raised, which means it's past tense. Jesus raised from the dead. He is with us. He is walking with us. He's encouraging us. But it also says that we will be raised which means this is a future hope. 
It's something that we can put our faith in and have no doubt about it because Jesus already did it. And when we walk with Jesus, we have this exciting news about a future with him for eternity. The key here to remember is that Jesus is the one who saves. Because sometimes, I'm guilty of this, we believe we can save people. And it's not true. It is a work of God to reach his children. But he uses us as his vessel. And when we truly believe it, we can help God change people's lives. Now, if Mark's sermon or one of my sermons changed your life, it's not because of us. We're just men. Get to know us. You'll, you'll realize that very quickly. It is a work of God. He is the one who delivers us from death. He is the one who saves us. This is what we must keep in perspective when we begin to walk out our lives is that Jesus saves. He is the one that takes our guilt and shame and put it on himself on the cross so that when we die, we can experience eternity with a loving God. And we need to get to the point where we can't help but share about this amazing truth. Because when we get to that point and our words and actions are guided by this truth, we glorify God. Look at verse 15. It says, For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Yes, I know Thanksgiving is this week, guys. That, that's not why this verse is here. But Thanksgiving is super important, and being thankful for God is also very important. But the first part of this verse, for it is all for your sake, is referencing what Mark talked about last week. It's referencing the fact that we literally carry the death of Jesus with us. He is with us anywhere we go. He is with us in our suffering. He is strengthening us. He is holding us. He is crying with us. And he is also our source of unlimited power. And we see in this verse the very reason, the very means, the purpose, means, and goal of why this is. Why is Jesus with us? Why do we have the Holy Spirit on us? Well, the purpose is so that grace can extend to more and more people. The means, how does that happen? It happens through our thankfulness for what God has done for us. No matter how angry you are with God or how many prayers he might not have answered, God has given you abundantly more than you could ever imagine. There are things to be thankful for, for the fact that you can even breathe today for the fact that there's coffee out in the lobby. These are things to be thankful for. And what is the ultimate goal? Why do we do this? Why do we want to see grace extended to more people? Why should we be thankful for all that God has given us? Well, the end goal is to glorify God. That is the purpose. And when we truly think about it, this is kind of, the real perspective of ministry. And I love how a commentary I read this week phrased it. 
It said, the glorification of God is the apostolic aim, but it is also the privilege and duty of every believer. In other words, when we live out our testimony of who God is and what Jesus has done for us, we glorify God. We show God's love, grace, and mercy, and forgiveness to others. That is glorifying God. And I'm not talking about evangelism here, although that is important. I'm talking about living our lives with a different perspective, that every single room we walk into, we carry Jesus with us. We carry his forgiveness. We carry his love. And these first three verses give us the powerful perspective of our testimony. It's not about glorifying ourselves. It's not about our own comfort. It's about glorifying God in all we say and in all we do. Because God has done so much for us. I mean, he sent his son to die for us. It's because of his grace and mercy that we even have a future hope. And this is the proper perspective we have to live with to show, share, and delight in the glory of God. And that is why Paul continues to tell us not to lose heart in the next verse. He says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is fading away or wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Paul right here is unifying everything we have talked about for the last three weeks. We do not lose heart because although our world, our bodies, our society are fading away, God's glory never will. And that is so powerful because then, even in the face of our own suffering, we have tremendous power in God. And through that power, we can be renewed day by day. And such renewal happens when we pursue to glory God, glorify God in everything. When we begin to seek the glory of God, we don't lose heart because we realize it's okay that the world, money, fame, our bodies, it's okay that everything is fading away because sharing the love, grace, mercy, and gospel of Jesus that's never going to fade away. And it's summed up very clearly in the next two verses that Paul writes. He says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. It's important to note that Paul is not trying to say that your suffering is meaningless. He's not trying to say, cool, so you have this affliction on you, yet uh, it's just light, though, so don't, don't even worry about it. That's not what he's saying here. Remember, God is with you in your suffering. He walks with you. He holds you. He provides you strength. What Paul is trying to say here is how we are meant to approach 
the challenges of life. Paul is telling us to not lose our hope. He's trying to tell us that the pain, the feelings, the struggle, everything you are going through, it will not last. But don't put your hope in fame, money, uh, a platform, health, time. Because all those things are going to fade away. Those are things that you can see. What he's saying is tie yourself to things that are unseen. We focus on the unseen because our hope is in eternity with a loving God, with walking with Jesus. And that is where our hope lies, is in spending eternity with the creator of the universe. That is why we choose to love and forgive. Like, have you guys actually thought about the process of forgiving someone? Why do we do it? It doesn't benefit us. We have to admit weakness. We have to admit all these other things. Well, we love and forgive people because that's showing people who God is. And you guys know I, I'm a Jesus guy, and this is exactly how Jesus lived. I mean, even when Jesus was on the cross suffering, literally being beaten, literally watching people divide his clothes amongst themselves, he you had to pull yourself up because you were suffocating on the cross. He did that and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. While he was dying, he said that. Now, how could Jesus have that power? How could he know to do that? Because his hope was not what was in, his hope is not in what is seen. His hope is in what is unseen. And I believe to truly understand this unseen, we need to turn to some words of Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew 16, 24. Matthew 16, 24. Here, I honestly believe that Jesus is kind of saying the exact same thing Paul is saying in these verses. Jesus says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. But what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Both Paul and Jesus are showing us that we are not meant to focus on things that are fading away. We, as followers of Jesus, need to pursue things that will never fade away. And the truth is, Ministry in a proper perspective happens when we lay down our pride, our treasures, our time, and our lives to seek one thing and one thing only. And that is the glory of God. Because our hope is not in what is seen. It's in what is unseen. It's in the future hope of being with Jesus. 
And yet we live in a time where it's very easy to focus on what is seen. But we are image bearers of God. We carry Jesus with us everywhere we go, which means that through us, God can help people see the unseen. When we share the truth about Jesus and what he has done for us, they get a glimpse of what Jesus is, of who God is. And that is the whole purpose of ministry. That's the whole purpose of our lives. Remember what 2 Corinthians 4.15 said. It says, so that as grace extends to more and more people. When we live our lives with the proper perspective, God's grace abounds. People's lives are changed. Because when we see ministry in proper perspective, we realize it's not about us. It's about honoring God and it's about loving people. So that is the proper ministry perspective is when you sit back and you look at a situation and you go, how will I glorify God in this moment? It's walking into every job you have the moment you get home from work or the moment you're a mom sitting there and you're seeing your kids yell at one another, right? And you go, how will I glorify God in this moment? And honestly, guys, I have truly, truly enjoyed our Family on Mission series because it has helped us as a church refocus our perspective and refocus why we are here. And the truth is, every church in America right now, maybe even the world, has been rebuilding, retooling, and relaunching. We have, in the greater context of the church, seen some horrible things come out over the last three-ish years, and even before that. But we've seen churches split, we've seen shutdowns, uh, we've seen church leaders and ministries be exposed. And I thank God that they are exposed, but I can't help but think of all those broken hearts that put their faith in something that wasn't the real perspective of ministry. Because so many hearts have been broken by leaders, churches, and ministries that did not seek to glorify God. Church, it's not a brand. It's not about a leader. Mark and I could get hit by a bus tomorrow and Creekside would still be here. And that's a beautiful thing. Church is here because we are meant to glorify God as a body of believers. It's not about honoring or glorifying or even platforming ourselves. It is about one thing and one thing only, and that is glorifying God with all we say and all we do. And that is why we here at Creekside are a family devoted to Jesus and life together. When we have the proper perspective of ministry, we can learn to rebuild we can learn to grow because our focus is in the right spot. Just like 
the puzzle, right? We have all these crazy different pieces, and even if Jesus is giving us one puzzle piece a day, we can create something beautiful when we have the right perspective. When we have the puzzle piece, the very top, it doesn't matter what our resources are. It doesn't matter how many people are in the seats. What matters is what we do with our hearts. Are we going to choose to glorify God? And that is what we learn from these verses, that real ministry happens when we stop focusing on ourselves and what is fading away. And instead, we focus on what is unseen. We focus on glorifying God. And we do this when we humbly serve, when we humbly love one another, when we eat meals together, when we encourage one another, when we sit with one another in our suffering and just sit with them and love people. This is the right perspective. And when we can actually do this, when we can actually be a church that seeks to glorify God, and when we can actually be people that every single moment of every single day we seek to glorify God, we will begin to change people's lives. We will begin to change our neighborhoods. That is the whole point of why we even did this sermon series, Family on Mission. Why do churches change their mission statement and values? Why is that necessary? Because we want to be a church with the right perspective. We want everyone here to have Jesus in their hearts and to know that you are all ministers. That you are all pastors in your neighborhoods. That you all walk with Jesus to restore this world back to the original form. Ministry with proper perspective is simply asking yourself, what can I do to glorify God? So as I end the sermon, I want us to pray. Let's pray as a church family that we can have the right perspective as we head into our ministry fields, as we head back into our homes, our neighborhoods, and our workplaces. Let's pray that every day we can seek to glorify God. I'm going to be quiet for a second, and I want you to just pray over whatever is reaching out to you right now of, man, I need to glorify God in my workplace. Man, I need to glorify God blank. Pick a place and sit and pray about it. as a family, I want to lift up every single person here. Whatever they are facing, God, I pray that they would lay it at your cross and know that you are with them. And God, as we either hit the road to go and celebrate Thanksgiving somewhere or we spend it in our own homes, 
for whatever we're doing, God, I just pray that we would walk into every situation knowing that we are there because of you. And I pray that we can glorify you in all we say and all we do and that our lives would be a testimony of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.